Welcome to The Narcissist Slayers, a podcast focusing on recovery from narcissistic abuse. I'm your co-host, Hope J. And I'm your co-host, Lynn Catalano. And we are both survivors of narcissistic abuse. I am also an attorney working with survivors of narcissistic abuse and the founder and president of the Center for Hope of Western New York. I'm an attorney, a narcissistic abuse coach, and the author of Wrecking Ball Relationships, How to Identify, Live With, or Leave the Narcissist in Your Life. Learn more about me at lynncatalano.com. At the Center for Hope, we offer hope, help, and healing from narcissistic abuse. We are a nonprofit organization with a mission to provide legal advocacy, mental health support, financial advisement, and holistic healing services to help you down the path from victim to survivor. You can find out more about our services by checking out our website, centerforhopewny.org. And please follow us on all platforms of social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Center for Hope WNY for helpful information about recovery from narcissistic abuse. Welcome back to the Narcissist Slayers. Today, I am so excited to introduce our guest, Jessica Holbrook, licensed mental health counselor and one of our mental health counselors at the Center for Hope of Western New York. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you. So a little bit about Jessica. Jessica is a licensed mental health counselor, and she offers a holistic mind and body therapeutic approach. As a certified Bikram yoga instructor, she incorporates physical <laughs> movement in her talk therapy sessions. Am I saying that correctly? Mm -hmm. Okay. Bikram yoga is a systemic approach to yoga that focuses on increasing strength and flexibility in the entire body. Jessica also offers walk and talk sessions to clients living in the Buffalo area, meeting clients in natural settings such as parks or bike paths and provides talk therapy during their walks. Research has shown that mental and emotional disruptions can result in physical disease and discomfort and vice versa. Her experience has demonstrated that utilizing physical movement during sessions can stimulate cognitive functioning, reduce mental blockages that impede progress and improve memory retention of insights formed during these sessions. Jessica is passionate about making sure her clients feel heard and understood. She has been honing her therapeutic skills, skills for the past 10 years and has a history of working with children, adolescents, adults, couples, and families. Wow. So we are, yes, we're very, very fortunate to have Jessica uh, mm -hmm. as one of our counselors at the Center for Hope. And Jessica, I'd like um, for you to just tell our, our listening audience a little bit about you and about your practice. Okay. Um, I am a licensed mental health counselor, as Hope mentioned. Um, I started my private practice uh, at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. Um, I was certified in Bikram yoga right before that, the end of 2019. Um, and then I started with a virtual practice um, due to the pandemic. And as things started to open up, I wanted to incorporate more of the mind and body approach to what I do. Um, and so started to offer walk and talk sessions. Um, and I, although I, I knew that that was gonna be something that should be beneficial, I was really pleased to see how um, receptive people were and how um, we were able to get over certain barriers pretty quickly, um, just through the walking, the movement. Um, and especially when you're working with clientele that have any type of trauma background, it can be a little bit uncomfortable or unsettling to be in either an enclosed space or looking face to face, making direct eye contact. 
um, having opportunities for there to be silence and moments of reflection that feel a little less, a little bit less awkward. Um, being out in nature, the fresh air, so being able to use your senses, um, so kind of reduce um, symptoms of dissociation or other things um, like that, I've, I found to be really helpful with um, kind of progressing through uh, the therapeutic process. Jessica, when when someone contacts you for uh, therapy, do they know about the walk and talk ahead of time? Do you educate them at that point or um, do, do people call specifically for that? Well, I, I have it listed on uh, the website for Center for Hope Western New York that I do offer that. Um, some people see that, some people don't. Um, anytime I have a referral sent to me, I do a free phone consultation where we kind of get to know each other, make sure that um, I'm able to offer what they're looking for they and um, that they kind of meet uh, the wheelhouse of what I can provide. Um, so in those phone conversations, I let them know about the walk and talk option. I also offer a virtual option. And if, especially during months like these where it's a little bit chillier, um, I do offer um, in-person, you know, sitting still <laughs> sessions. Um, usually those are in East Aurora, but I can be flexible with that as well. So, so Jessica, you have a, a pretty unique modality. Mm -hmm. And you know, one of the, it's one of the things that interested me about you when you, know, you and I first met and first started talking about you coming on with the Center for Hope. So can you uh, tell our audience, like, what is it about the, your, your unique approach to counseling that you think might be beneficial to people who are working through issues of narcissistic abuse? Well, I think that my, um, I have a background in working with people who uh, have certain types of personality issues. Um, narcissism falls in that category. Um, I've both worked with people who have narcissism, um, but also people who are dealing with recovering from being in those relationships. Um, I think because of that background, I have a better understanding of how to approach some of these um, dynamics that I think somebody who doesn't have that background um, might not be as effective. Um, one of the things that I notice in a lot of uh, those consultation phone calls is that oftentimes there's a very validating experience for the client, um, potential client being heard or seen in a way that they haven't been through um, just different people in their life, whether it's a professional person or a support. And I, um, and I find that they're immediately um, kind of at ease with feeling like my, my background in this is going to be able to help them um, through whatever they're going through. That's really interesting. What are, what are some of the, the things that you see, like commonalities that you see in, in people who are reaching out, um, you know, through the Center for Hope or, or, you know, who just may contact you directly? And, and if they feel like they've been in a relationship with a narcissist and maybe suffering from, uh, you know, symptoms relative to narcissistic abuse, what are some of the things that you see people struggling with? Um, you know, some of the common things that I feel like is, is when I'm hearing from them, they're usually at their wit's end at that point. Um, they're very frustrated, um, upset, confused in a lot of ways. And I think that they feel like they've been doing as much as possible to try to make things work in a logical way. And I think a lot of the advice that they've been getting from loved ones or professionals has been based off of 
advice that would probably be more appropriate if they weren't dealing with somebody with narcissism. And it would be productive advice in those situations. But narcissism is so unique that you almost, it's having the opposite effect. It's actually um, exacerbating their problem following that advice. Can you give an example of that? Like something that, if you can think of an example. Sure. Um, Oftentimes, uh, you know, the advice that you might give somebody who is struggling in, let's just say, uh, a romantic relationship um, would be, well, what could you do? Right. To help better, to better accommodate, to better support, um, to be a better partner to them. And if that person's upset with you, maybe we just need to listen more. We need to be more supportive. We need to be more accommodating. The problem when you're dealing with narcissism is that is enabling the narcissism and it's actually exacerbating the problem, which is furthering um, the abuse that they're feeling. And it's pushing them further into the cycle of feeling like this was my fault for what happened to me and now I have to be the one to fix it. And so there's that separation between seeing that this person is actually contributing to this problem and I've done everything that I could within what is healthy and probably beyond that to try to make this work um, and understanding where that boundary is between um, being a good support and say if it was in a marriage, like for better or for worse often comes out, sickness and health. People, if there's kids involved, there's that big picture of, I don't want to blow things up for anybody else. I don't want to hurt anybody else. I want to do the best I can to make this work and never feel like I stopped putting in the effort or trying or um, was willing to go the extra mile to make it work. But when you're dealing with narcissism, you are only digging yourself a deeper hole and they don't always... um, so when you recognize that that's what's happening and they feel seen in the hole that they were digging yes, yes. with the best intentions of trying to better their life and their family's life, um, they f- usually feel this immense sense of relief yeah. and hope that um, somebody understands what they've been going through and how they got there yeah. and that there might be a strategy for getting them out of that. Jessica, that, that's fantastic. What a, what a, a illuminating answer I think for people that are listening because I think uh, Lynn wouldn't you agree that it can be dangerous uh, for somebody who goes to a counselor who doesn't understand narcissism Um, I actually think that um, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about different types of narcissistic abuse I myself suffered uh, from a father Mm -hmm. that was a narcissist and I lived in a home where my mother normalized and conditioned me to normalize his yes. behavior mm-hmm. and I never heard the term walking on eggshells uh, until really a few years ago mm-hmm. um, it, it blows my mind because that was my lifestyle mm-hmm. and so because you treat children and adolescents I'm curious to hear how you would approach children of narcissistic abuse and how they've suffered I think well there's the children but there's also um, adult children of narcissistic Hello. abuse, yes. right? But a lot of it, again, you know, the, the first stage is always validation and recognizing somebody and normalizing that experience. And, and normalizing, I mean, in the way that it, it's normal when you're dealing with narcissism. It's yeah. not normal outside of that. Right. And normal not meaning appropriate right. or healthy, right. but that is typical of somebody in that type of abusive relationship so that it helps them understand that was not okay. Right regardless if everyone around you was enabling that person, whether it's from their own fear, their own sense of denial, their their own reasons. Um, And 
I often try to separate too. I think what's really important is that people can get really stuck with that thought of, well, I know, I genuinely know this person loved and cared about me, right? And that's a real sticking point for a lot of people with going back and forth on staying in that relationship or what type of dynamic to have with that person. And I find that uh, being able to separate saying that you could love somebody or care for somebody and also the relationship be unhealthy right. for you is right. super is, isn't, important. Isn't that a, right? Yeah. Isn't that one of those sort of light bulb moments when, mm -hmm. when people understand that, that that's possible, that you can have two sides, mm -hmm. right? I, I am not confident of that any longer, but <laughs> I, I will agree with you. But um, for myself, I don't know. I don't know if he was ever capable of actually that right. kind of love. So that's the initial that's the initial part, right? Right, right? And so and also just to clarify, narcissism is on a spectrum. Right. Right. So right. depending on the level I of agree. severity of narcissism we're dealing with, they're gonna have more or less of a capacity to truly yes. experience love and caring. But you know the the I, I, the more important piece of that though, like I, I actually agree with Lynn. I, I I think that you know when you're dealing with a true NPD, right. they're, true they're, NPD. they're they're yes. not capable of any reciprocal type of a relationship. That's true. But the thing that's really I, that I think is really important for for the victims, for the survivors, I like to say survivors, is to recognize that even though um, you know you the, you may have been in a relationship with somebody who was not able to reciprocate that kind of love, that you loved, yes. you invested, yes. you bonded, yes. and this is one of the things that I think has to do with with great, yes. right? It's, one, it's something that I, I see often, um, you know, looking on in social media, uh, you know posts that, that people follow these types of groups is that, you know, it's a, it's a sort of unpopular thing, but people do grieve um, dysfunctional relationships yes. and oh. unhealthy relationships yeah. and toxic relationships, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So would you think, would you say that part of what you help people work through is grief? Absolutely. Okay. Um, a lot of it is normalizing the grieving process yeah. and helping them understand it through the lens of like, we normally think of grief as a death, right? right. Or something to that effect. But there is an element of feeling like it's a death when you start to recognize that what you were dealing with was not what you thought it that, was. Yeah, and that's, that is, that's, that's it. just it. That's it right there. Right. Grieving what, what you thought right. it was. Right. right. The yeah. fantasy of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then having to come to terms with that, there's a lot of complexities to it because yeah. there's also the shame that you might feel. Yes. Um, the yeah. embarrassment. Embarrassment. Yes. Especially, I find this, because some of the women I work with are, and men too, yeah. um, but women I work with are, um, really high achieving, yeah. very smart, yep. very capable. Yeah. Yep. And so yep. they're, you know, the last people you would uh, ever think yes. would be duped by yeah. a narcissist, yes. right? Yes. And there's that piece of, I'm, how did I let this happen? Right. Like, yeah. I'm not weak. Like, yeah. I'm strong. Like, yeah. I'm smart. Like, yeah. I would never be in yeah. an abusive relationship. Yeah. And I think that ego piece too, and just not being able to see yourself as somebody who could possibly be a victim in that dynamic can sometimes keep you in the cycle a lot longer. Um, well, we're also fixers, right? Yeah. So right. we're going to make it work. Codependent yeah. pieces right. where we're yes. going to make it work. Exactly. Right. But you know, the other part of it that I think is so shocking. So you're in this relationship. It's not working. You feel like, how did I get here? I'm a smart, capable person. And then you, you don't even understand. We don't know the terminology when we're in it. Yeah. So we don't know that what we're suffering from is actual emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. And like the, the manipulation and all the things that go into it, the silent treatment, the gaslighting, the triangulation, okay. it's like we just put our head down and mm -hmm. keep on going because we're gonna make this relationship work. Like mm -hmm. we can do this. Right, 
So, we, so Jessica, when when you when you start working in and you know I, I I know that you do all different kinds of things mm -hmm. in your practice, but when you're working you know specifically with people who are coming to you through the Center for Hope, who who may you know at that point have some uh, you awareness. know awareness so that they might be you know a, a, a survivor of narcissistic abuse, like how how do you help them you know to understand all of these you know these these things that Lynn just brought up, like, you know, I, I think it's sort of almost like you have to create a roadmap, you know, like, mm -hmm. so do, do you work with them and sort of understanding the different types of emotional abuse or how, 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 do you, how does that work in counseling? Well, I think it's a very gentle, informal way. Um, okay. I think it's um, everybody's, you know, even though there's a lot of similarities between stories, they're going to have, they're going to have different levels of awareness and readiness mm -hmm. for the change too. Right. So being able to meet them where they're at, just mm -hmm. because I can see that they're clearly in an abuse cycle right. yeah. and I right. just want to yank them right out right. of it. Yeah. Um, you know, if you, if you do that, you know, oftentimes you'll get the resistance and, and the pushback and they push go them. and they go yeah. right back. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. to be able That's to, a really good point. yeah. So to be able to, to be able to see where they're at, honor where they're at. Yeah. I've had clients, you know, who I, um, you know, who've come to me uh, and were just like angry during our, you know, phone consultation. They were done, like ready to like, I will do anything. I'm so over this person. Mm -hmm. And then like the next time I meet, well, they're trying, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. so Keeps trauma yeah. bond. Yep. The trauma right. bond. We've, we've right. talked a lot. About right. And there's that. a lot of rationalization around it. Yeah. And especially people, it's interesting too. I'll, I'll work with people who have a very they pride themselves on their self-awareness. Yeah. And so they'll talk about it. <laughs> right, right. So they'll talk Blind about spot. it. Yes. They'll talk about it from a place of being very self-aware. Right. And they can say, they know the sign, like yeah. they know all the yeah. pieces. Yeah. And, um, you know, and that's, and that's great. So like for me, it's, it's, I'm honoring where you're at I, yeah. and I bring up what we know. Right. But I also, I, I empower them to make choices with information. Yes. And I don't tell them which direction to go, but it's we t we suss out all the different ways that this could play out. Right. And it's more of taking ownership of like, are you ready to deal with the consequences if it doesn't go in yeah. this direction? Yeah. And, a, and an analogy, I love using analogies on yeah. what I do, but an analogy I use would be like, let's say gambling, right? And you are somebody that were like, all right, I'm going to go in with like $1,000 and I'm going to gamble with it. And you lost the $1,000 you saw over time, right? Like you kept trying, you kept trying in the relationship and you got down to nothing, right? And that's maybe where you're at when you, you're talking to me. And then you're, you're sitting there being like, ah, oh, should I, should I put out a loan? Like, I, I feel like I really want to see if I can put out a loan and get, should I put my, you know, mm -hmm. and like, there's that element of like, how are you really ready to risk your house? Right. Like, uh, like these pay, like go into debt potentially over making this choice or are you good kind of like, like this is, this is it. Like, I said I was going to go in with this much. I've met capacity. Right. And now if I go any further and I'm putting now them in the driver's seat. Right. Of being able to determine whether or not I go further in debt. I'm not in control of it anymore right. when I'm gambling. Right. Right. That's true. And, and it's a bit of an addiction. Mm -hmm. I mean, you yeah. know, that, that addiction yeah. model uh -huh. is, it's, it's real. Right. Yes. Um, For sure. Well, you know, when we talk about healing from narcissistic abuse, there's a lot of things that go into it and you know the three of us are very well mm -hmm. uh, versed in all of those different things one of them certainly is seeking out a lot of information and becoming as aware uh, as you can about the different forms of the disorder and what goes into it but another thing is seeking professional help 
or finding a great support group. Mm -hmm. And I know that we here at the Center for Hope are really excited about a new launch of a support group. Yes. Um, so this is actually going to be the uh, second uh, cycle. We, we, we actually the third uh, since we've launched. Yeah. Okay. So we had one in person uh, before COVID and then we, we went through a second cycle, which was a virtual. And so Jessica is going to be facilitating our, our third cycle Great. of our narcissistic abuse recovery educational workshop series. It is a mouthful. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> but uh, because we have such great uh, information to share. And uh, I did, I did want to take this opportunity unless, you know, I want to give Jessica an opportunity. Is there, is there anything else that you wanted to share with, a, with our, with our audience? I want to give you just a, a chance to talk about your, um, you know, give them the, the directions to your website or your email in case somebody wants to reach out to you directly. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. You're welcome to find me at um, jessicajtherapy.com. And um, my email is jessica at jessicajtherapy.com, <laughs> um, clearly. And, um, and yeah, and you can also contact uh, me via text or phone call at 716-939-1391. And you can also find Jessica on the Center for Hope website listed yes. under our provider list at 716-955-9658. You can, Jessica is on our website. <laughs> yes, that yes. too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so moving on then to the support group. So, so the support group is, uh, well, the, so we actually changed it from calling it a, you know, a traditional support group to this um, educational workshop series uh, because of some of the reasons that you just articulated earlier. Uh, information is power, right? Particularly when you are in the early beginning stages of you know, um, trying to understand what may have been going on in your relationship. And I think for a lot of people who are just starting to uncover the possibility that they might be in a relationship with a narcissist all the way to people who have you know um are maybe even close to being on the other side and they've gone through you know maybe a, a really contested divorce with a, a narcissist or they've been um you know separated or you know in the process of separating people are in all different phases um, when they're working with providers mm -hmm. at our agency so you know what we thought would be the best way to reach the most amount of people <laughs> was to give uh, people an opportunity to kind of come together um, wherever, whatever phase you are in your healing, whether you're just starting out, whether you're, you know, in, not even sure whether or not this applies to you, to people who may be more veterans, um, kind of on the other, other side of it, but yet still feel like they could benefit from being in a room with other people who have experienced this very unique form of emotional abuse. And I, as you know, you, you also stated earlier, the validation piece is really, mm -hmm. really big in a group like this mm -hmm. because you're with a bunch of other people who really understand uh, what it feels like to have been in a relationship like this. And so, you know, we want, we want people to, to have that opportunity to bond with mm -hmm. other people while being led by a very experienced uh, facilitator such as yourself uh, who can provide information um, to educate them about, you know, for example, you know, our very first uh, group is, you know, what is a narcissist? Mm -hmm. So we kind of start there, you know, we're going to start out saying, um, you know, for people who may or may not know, or may or may not have that information. And oftentimes people are getting information about this from the internet. Um, they're not, they don't really know uh, what it means 
um, from a clinical point of view. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Jessica will be able to educate people about, you know, really what, what is a narcissist? Not the, you know, not, not what we see in the movies or what, you know, we, we read about on social media, but you know, in, in a clinical sense. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, we, we have, uh, it's a, it's a six week group. Uh, it's 90 uh, minutes per group. And for each group is going to be, you know, an educational piece where we cover a topic and then there'll be a clinical component to it. So, uh, Jessica, do you want to talk a little bit more about, you know, maybe some of the topics and how you, uh, you know, how you see yourself kind of working through this with people? Sure. Okay. Um, so a lot of, like, as Hope mm -hmm. mentioned, you know, that you start pretty basic at the beginning with talking about what a narcissist is. Um, and then we get into talking about the, the narcissistic abuse cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, so the idealization, devaluation, discard, which we would get more into. Um, understanding specifically what is emotional abuse because right. I think that this is something that um, is unfortunately a lot more common than people recognize yeah. or acknowledge and there's some cultural components to that um, and while talking about that we'll get into what cognitive dissonance is yes. um, then we'll follow up another week with talking about no contact versus limited contact so why might you do that why is that the strategy um, the differences between working with someone that you maybe have to continue to communicate with, such as being, um, you know, a co-parent mm -hmm. um, and the nuances of how to navigate that with, yeah. with healthy boundaries. Um, and then the following week, we'll talk about um, divorcing um, or leaving uh, a narcissist um, and anything related to uh, court related custody mm -hmm. that hope is going to uh, facilitate. Yeah. And then we'll fi finish up with um, basically learning the best strategies for learning how to cope with um, or heal from codependency. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a pretty comprehensive um, group uh, workshop where we, we go through from A to Z uh, how to work through some of these these issues that people experience when, when recovering mm -hmm. from narcissistic abuse. So, um, we keep, we're still taking uh, applicants now. This mm -hmm. is something that we, you know, I, I, I want people who are listening to this to know um, we're, we're trying, we're going to cycle through this group twice a year. So, oh, okay. so yeah, so that's the plan. So Jessica's going to run it, um, you know, every spring wow. mm -hmm. and then we have another mental health counselor who's going to facilitate it every fall. Nice. Um, so we're going to have an opportunity to do it in person. Mm -hmm. Uh, if, if you're interested in doing that in person and being in a room with other people or virtually, if that fits better into your schedule, that will be the fall group. And, uh, so everybody can go to our website at center for hope, WMI.org. And, and you can see that we have right online a whole description of the group and there's a intake questionnaire that we will need you to complete. And Jessica will review that and reach out and let you know whether or not uh, we have a spot. Uh, there is a uh, $75 deposit that you, um, you can actually pay for. We have a, a link that we will send you so that you can hold your spot. Um, and most importantly, we do have financial assistance available. This is something that I'm very, very proud of. Uh, you know, we've done some fundraising since we started uh, the Center for Hope Western New York. And one of the, the things that we've been able to do with this money is to be able to offer grants to people who want to participate in this group. We understand uh, insurance does not cover it. Uh, it. It may be costly for certain people who would really like to take advantage of something like this. So we have a client eligibility uh, form that we will send to you. And if you really want to be a part of the group, complete it. We would love to be able to offer you financial assistance so that you can be a part of the group. If, if I may interject. Yes, of course. Also, if you're interested in supporting the Center for Hope, <laughs> we have this incredible event yes. coming up on June 1st, which happens to be 
World Narcissistic Abuse oh. Awareness Day. That's right. Yes. And uh, it's on Thursday, June 1st, and we're holding it at Tewksbury Lodge in Buffalo on the waterfront. Yes. So we're very excited about this, and we would love for you to come, attend, sponsor us, yes. support us, because it actually, all dollars raised help yes. us help this type of programming here at the Center for Hope. Thank you, and thank you for, for bringing that up. And we will be uh, advertising uh, how you can donate. You can donate online. You can buy a ticket. You can come to the event. We'd love to have you there. We're going to have great entertainment. And uh, thank you so much, uh, everyone who's listening, for supporting our organization. Yes. Thank you. Thank you.